This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. show. Welcome to All the Sins of Wisconsin, a true crime podcast focused on the disappearances, unsolved mysteries, murders, and other weird stuff that has happened in Wisconsin. Welcome back to the next episode of All the Sins of Wisconsin. Today we want to take a second to introduce ourselves a little bit because last time we were so excited, we just jumped right into our stories and we didn't really tell you guys anything about us. Right. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So. You want to go first? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, this is Mims. I am Mims. Hello. Um. I don't know. What made you love true crime? Uh, I guess I've always been odd, you know, (laughs) always been punk. Me too. Scene, that scene kid in middle school, that was me. So it kind of just rolled off of like the heavy metal and then. I don't know, I've always liked scary movies when I was in high school, and then all of a sudden I liked like true crime documentaries, and then podcasts became a really big thing, I want to say what, like four, three years ago? Yeah, I'm I'm going on like six, seven years, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a little late in the game, but... Well, you're like, you're young. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I got into it, it was just always kind of into the darker side of things, I guess. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed with everything, like with the law and crime and yeah, I worked in criminal defense for a long time. So I'm really big on criminal justice reform and looking out for these victims that people seem to have forgotten about. Yeah, I think I've been obsessed for as long as I can remember. Like, other kids were watching cartoons, and I'm, like, trying to watch Inside Edition to see, like, the crime stories that are going on. Dateline, for sure. Yeah, all the Datelines. Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, and I'm Fallon, by the way. Did I say that? I don't think so. I don't think so, but... Yeah. (laughs) So today, before we get into our stories, we're going to talk about some breaking news in the true crime realm Mm -hmm. so do you want to get started with that yeah so they're not um wisconsin related but i we were just talking about how it's still important to touch base on it just because um what every case is important so Mm -hmm. uh i'm gonna touch base on the gabby petito i believe that's how you say the last name i think so right yeah um she went on a 
seems like she went on a trip with her boyfriend out to, what was that, Montana? Uh, they go on backpacking trips together, and she just started a YouTube channel, and I'm assuming it's to highlight her trip. And then yeah. her boyfriend went back to Florida without her. Yeah. And that really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because how do you do that? How do you go with your significant other and just not return with them? Yeah, and I guess we have no idea now, like, well, what no, the circumstances are. Well, talk to anybody. Which, I know everybody's like, well, he's not talking. Yeah. But from a criminal defense standpoint, right. I would have told him to shut his damn mouth, too, because no matter what you say... You can get yourself screwed. Like, I guess, I guess you're right. All the wrongful conviction cases were always like, they should have had a lawyer and they should have shut up. Yeah, yeah, you're but right. But then when we were worried about somebody, then we're like, they need to be talking. But I don't I know just, if they're ta- if he's talking through his lawyer at all or not mm-hmm. or like. I think, yeah, I think he does have an attorney. So that, I mean, is smart, but. Yeah, what but else it sucks. Could it be, like, if I didn't do something, I sure as hell am not going to look bad in any sort of way. So I would just say, I didn't do it, and then get an attorney. Yeah, I don't know. I would get a lawyer first. <laughs> but you're, you're really smart, so. <laughs> I would let my lawyer tell them that I don't know anything. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, he has to know, like, at least when he was last with her. So I would hope that his lawyer is communicating with the police and that we just don't know as the public because the media is insane. Like, the theories that I've seen come out in just a couple of days are complete craziness. Uh, Yeah. So you could be right. Valid point. I give that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it still sucks because her family wants answers and deserves answers. And that's when it, it gets so hard. Yeah. Because we have no idea. You're he right. could be innocent. He could right. be guilty. We we really don't know. Yeah. But all we know is that she is missing. Um, if anybody knows anything, I guess, reach out to the proper people that need to investigate this. Yeah, I shared her missing flyer yesterday. I'll share it again on okay. our podcast Great. Instagram, too, okay. from True Crime Garage. They had posted it. Oh, cool. And I shared it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Sounds good. So, and then you had another one. Yeah, and then I don't know if you guys follow the missing Maura Murray case. I'm obsessed with this case. I the missing Maura Murray podcast was like hundreds of episodes of just about her disappearance and like was that like all a the different show things or a podcast? They have a podcast and they did a documentary. The documentary was a few episodes and then they had a show on Oxygen too oh, okay. with Maggie I love Freeling. You so much who I love to death. Like, she's amazing. Yeah, so she did the oxygen documentary about it. So near where she went missing and where they believe that she was heading, they found human bones while they were doing some construction there. Now this terrible part is her family has to wait. They said it could take two months to identify. Yeah. Her remains and we're also used to tv when they're like oh we found a body and five minutes later they're like this is who it was right and that's just so not the case but i am just happy that if it does turn out to be her like 20 years and then finally they yeah. have answers so that's that would be cool but if not then 
back to square one. Yeah, but I'm glad whoever it was was found because nobody needs to be left in that situation. And somebody's looking for whoever it is. So I. It's a win win. Yeah. No matter what, it'll bring closure for somebody. Yeah. I just I wish it was faster. Because I, yeah. I can imagine being her family and waiting Ugh. or anybody else. Because I'm sure there's other people that I just don't know that are, are looking in yeah. the area too. So, right. yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's the only two big things that just came out. I mean, I just heard about the Gabby uh, incident just this morning. So, yeah. I don't know what else is going on besides those two big things. I don't know. I kind of live in my own little world. Those are the <laughs> two that I heard about. Gabby case yesterday from a different podcast and then Morbid this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Okay. Well, um, how was your week? It was good. Yeah. Okay. Had a nice, fun photo shoot. I've seen that. You look amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I've just been working. Okay, yeah, I mean, I work 24-7, too, so I definitely yeah. feel you on that one. <laughs> Wait, this is a really great release, and it's really fun. I just feel like I sit and chat with a friend, so. Yeah, I so, love it. It yeah. is nice. And we get to talk about something that we're interested in mm-hmm. and draw attention to some cases people aren't familiar with and and i don't feel bad about talking to you about this kind of stuff because a lot of other people that i talk to are just like oh okay and i'm like all right that's the end of the conversation (laughs) right i'm always that awkward person like did you hear about and they're like no do you know every fact of every murder i'm like (laughs) yes yes i do (laughs) i'm not weird i swear No, no i don't think so at least so, who's going first today? I'm going to suggest a rock, paper, scissors situation. <laughs> okay, let's right. do it. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I went fast. <laughs> All right, hold on. <laughs> ah, so wait, we didn't decide who would do what if they lost. <laughs> I lost, so I'll just go. Okay, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to do the heroic story of the young Garland boy, and this is taking place in Portage, Wisconsin. Uh, Their little saying for Portage is, where the north begins. So, uh, this is going to be covering the murder of Tammy Garland and the torture of her young son. Um, I will be referring to him as the young Garland boy. During the events that took place, uh, he was a minor and his identity was not released. Uh, but then later on in an interview, he did mention his former name, um, which I'll, you know, get into that later. But he did change his name, so that's private. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just do a trigger warning right now. If you're not okay, and I'm not saying anybody is okay with this type of abuse, but listening to child abuse, please skip ahead to Fallon's because it does kind of get into that. And um, I know a lot of people get, you know, just, you know, it's a trigger to some people and yeah. it's not really easy to listen to. And it made my stomach turn a little bit too. So just a heads up that this is going to happen. Right yeah. Now. And I can mark the time in the show notes. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, So it's going to start out with Michaela Clark, 
who was 20, who was dating Felicia Mae Garland at age 15. Um, they were part of a group which included Candace Clark, which they sound similar, the last name. So it's Clerk or Michaela, like as in a grocery clerk. Okay. And then Candace is like Clark, like Clark Kent. Okay. So um, Candace Clark was age 23, and then her boyfriend Michael Sisk is 25 at this time. So this group lived in Sanford, Florida, and had like a fringe-type lifestyle. Um, they were often funding themselves by identity theft and fraud. They're very culty. They like to do things together, um, kind of had their own way of doing things, too. Um, they were identity thieves that crisscrossed the states, surviving through financial fraud, uh, schemes by writing multiple checks off of stolen checkbooks, stealing people's personal belongings, and then pawning them. Oh, wow. Yeah. They um, sound lovely. Yeah. They're... Ugh. <laughs> uh... Michael and Candace were both wanted in Colorado as Michael walked away from jail while out on work release, and then Candace failed to show up in court for alleged fraud and stealing a car. And then Candace was also wanted in Kentucky as well. Candace is the worst one along with Michael. I think they're both terrible, terrible people. Um, the younger girls all... They all had something to do with what happened, but I think that the older people had major influence. Right. Um, That's how it usually goes. Yeah. And in I mean, cult-like situations. I'm thinking to myself, it's really gross that a 25-year-old guy is hanging around a 15-year-old girl. Like, that's part of the group. Yeah. It's really gross to me. Yeah, because if my 15-year-old daughter was hanging around with a 25-year-old guy, I would go crazy. There's no way. No way. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. No. I think to myself, mm -hmm. when I was in high school, which is really gross now to think about it, I was like 17 dating like a 23-year-old guy. And I'm like, I look back on it now, and I thought I was cool for dating an older guy. Yeah. But it's just really gross because right. I was not mature yeah i was well in any way you know yeah it just doesn't make sense it doesn't okay uh candace had met yeah candace had met michaela by posing as a lesbian online to which they met in person and supposedly fell in love um, Candace, even though she developed this new love affair, still managed to steal Michaela's identity and took money from her bank account and continue the relationship as well. Which, how does that happen? Wow. So she's like, oh, you can have all my stuff, I guess. I'm sure there must have been a fight, but they still continued. They were still in this little weird gang of, you know, delinquents, so... Yeah. She must have not really cared at the end of the day, so... Yeah. Uh, the group planned a trip to Portage, Wisconsin in the fall of 2006 to what they later, later said was just to see the snow, but that is clearly not why they came here. Um, but before leaving, Candace kidnapped her own daughter who was in the foster care system... 
So that was also a big no-no. Like, you can't just go around snatching children. Even though, it's, I mean, it's your own kid, but... Yeah. But, I mean, they probably didn't want her running around the country committing crimes with her kid in tow. Right. I, I mean, I would say that's a... Yeah. <laughs> no. It's probably frowned upon. Uh, the group of four and three underage kids. So she had two kids with her already. And okay. then stole her other daughter. Um, they headed to the Midwest and plan on staying at Felicia's mother's and her younger brother's home. So Felicia planned this trip to go to live with Tammy, who is her mom. And then her younger brother was also living there. Okay. Um, Michaela, although dating Felicia was also romantically involved with her mother, Tammy. So let's, Go back to Michaela is at this time 20. Okay. Right? And she's involved with Felicia mm-hmm. and Felicia's mother. Wow. Talk about a love triangle. Gross. So gross. Uh, Michaela met Tammy in an online lesbian chat room when she was 13 and Tammy was 29. Um, wow. In conclusion, Tammy is a pedophile. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Right. That's not okay. No, definitely not. And on top of all that, Cindy Martle, Michaela's foster parent, told her, I know Tammy's older than you, but if I meet her and I think she's okay, I'll agree to that relationship. So she knew about this whole thing. Um, and wow. she told that to the local newspaper. That's not okay, Cindy. You no. don't do that. No, that is not okay. Um, during this time, the group of four and then the three children, Tammy and Tammy was 36 at this time, and the young Garland boy all lived under one roof in a literal hell house. Um, I couldn't find anything in my source materials that indicated why it started. Um, I think they're just really awful people, and this is just the type of things that they do, so I guess there really isn't... A reason wouldn't have made it any better, but right. eventually the child abuse started by all four towards the young girl and boy. Um, as a reminder, one of the four horrible abusers was in fact the young girl and boy's sister, Felicia. So she was in on it too. Um, on at least 10 occasions, okay, so this is the part that you're going to want to skip if you are not interested in hearing this. On at least 10 occasions, the group would pour scalding hot water on him, which would burn him alive. Due to the severity of the injuries, he would later lose three of his toes and along with a few fingers. Uh, 20% of his body was covered in burns as well when they found him. Um, they whipped him, they choked him, and confined him in a cramped space for months, and he was forced to live in a small closet, which made him develop chronic body sores. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. Uh, they would also neglect to feed him or feed him only once a day, and then force him to drink a gallon of water in one sitting until he passed out, which may not sound terrible, but then I looked up on Nourish by WebMD, drinking too much water, also known as overhydration, which can cause water poisoning, intoxication, and or disruption of brain functions due to swelling of brain cells, 
that is not minor. No. Um, so signs of overhydration is confusing, drowsiness, headaches, which could lead to high blood pressure or uh, low heart rate. So you could pass out and... I don't think it's fatal, but it's not good for you at all. Right. Because you need a balance. Like, right, yeah. yeah. Over- everything is good in moderation. That's what I live by. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, so, unfortunately, the young girl and boy went into more graphic details of the torture he endured, which I will not go into. There is a line for me. Yeah. I don't like to hear about that stuff either. Yeah. Because I can't get it out of my mind then. That's my thing, too. Um, but I also think it's really important to, you know, shed light on this. Mm-hmm. There's a really good ending to this. So if you want to hold tight, <laughs> it will get better. Um, uh, but one thing he did reveal that I will mention is that his mother, Tammy, did join in on the torture as well. Um, I don't even know how a mom could do that. You know, I'm going to get a little personal, but my mom was very, very physical, physically abusive towards me. Um, never to this degree, but yeah. I think this is why I feel really interested, but it also breaks my heart to know that other kids go through this too. Right. To any degree. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how you can create a life and then just like abuse it like that me either anyways uh where did we go oh i did read and only one source that she did not torture him but i every other source says that she did so i'm just gonna go with that yeah and i mean if she was there and allowing it Mm -hmm. even if she didn't participate she's just as guilty yeah I don't even let other people yell at my children. (laughs) I don't even let other people yell at my dog. (laughs) I'm like, no, sir, you do not talk to them that way. Oh, it just broke my heart that he had no safe place. Like his safe place is his home, his parental figures, his family. And he didn't even have that, the basic needs of just living a, a comfortable life. Yeah. Was he going to school or they kept him at 11, home? So yes. But did they actually like let him go or pretend to homeschool him? I don't know. It didn't go into that, but there was no reports of the abuse. So, and I don't think other people found him because they kept him confined. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if they kept him confined all the time. This then. must have been, so, this must have led into, like, the summer, maybe when there was break or something. Oh, that could be, too. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so even though Tammy did participate in the torture of her own son, um, that did not mean that she was not also a target of abuse. So, she did join in, but they also abused her as well. Um, Tammy at one point sustained an injury either due to her seizures or to something else that made her unable to walk, which led to the four, uh, focusing physical abuse on her as well. Michael Sisk, so he is the boyfriend of Candace, Mm -hmm. uh, was often the main abuser. 
um, as she was, he was upset that Tammy, although intimately involved with Michaela, um, developed a romantic relationship with Candace after Tammy made it known that she found Candace sexually desirable. So they're just all over the place. Just they're all a mess. Yes, gross. Everything. So gross, and they're all living together. Mm-hmm. And I. It had to be complete chaos. Yes, and then don't forget that there are also three other kids that are watching all this. I could not imagine. Uh, it all became very messy from all the source material I read that the girls and Tammy, besides Tammy's daughter, were all sexually involved. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael ended up hitting Tammy over the head with a chair, which knocked her out and required stitches. Candace felt bad about this particular time and helped her get stitched up. Um, however, Michael, after this, dragged Tammy to the bathroom and... Uh, they were in there for about 10 minutes, and then he called out to the group, she's dead. So they don't know what all went out on in there. Mm-hmm. All they know is that Michael dragged her in there, and then she was became dead. Um, Felicia, Tammy's daughter, then helped Michael drag her through the bathroom window to be buried in the backyard. Wow. So that's... The background of what happened in the house. Now I'm going to go into the investigation of it. Um, on June 14, 2007, Portage Police re- received a request from Florida investigators to visit the residence of Tammy Garland on Oneida Street. Uh, this is all. This all started because of the kidnapping of Candace's two-year-old daughter from the foster parents. Okay. Um, so. Not saying that that was a good thing, but that led for them to rescue the boy. So, right. trickle effect. Yeah, every action has a consequence. Right. Uh, the foster parents contacted the police with the clear perception that only one person who that only one person could be responsible for the abduction, of, and that would be the biological mother. Portage police and local investigators went to the residence and discovered three minor children, all under the age of two and three um, adults in the Oneida Street residence. Uh, Michael... Oh, wait. Sorry. I skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, They gave false names, but later disclosed their true identities as Michaela Clark, Felicia Mae Garland, and Candace Clark. They then searched the house for the primary resident uh, of the rental home, but then found the young Garland boy stuffed in a closet, cowering, malnourished, and physically beaten. Uh, He was days before death. Um, So he was suffering from sepsis. Sepsis? Sepsis, yeah. Yeah, sepsis. Gangrene. Which, how? You were in, in a home... How are you, how did you develop gangrene? Probably from sepsis, from like the infection being in his blood, it probably started to... Yeah, that could be true. Um, And pneumonia. He weighed 55 pounds when the average weight of an 11-year-old is 80 pounds. Oh, wow. Uh, He also had a gaping hole on his head exposing exposing a bone. Um, After this discovery, the authorities called in a cadaver cadaver dog in order to locate Tammy's body. 
Um, the dog located her remains buried underneath a fresh area of landscaping in the backyard. Michael Sisk was not at the residence and was later found trying to uh, board a Greyhound bus as an attempt to evade the police. Thankfully, he was arrested and taken into custody before he was able to flee. I'm going to show you a picture of all four of them. So, that's Michael. This is... This is Felicia. This is Candace. This is Michaela. They all kind of look alike, don't they? Like, these two almost look like sisters, I feel like. They do. They all have, like, the same nose, and they're all making the same weird expression in their mugshots. We'll share them on... Instagram. Yes, we definitely will. Yeah. They all look pissed. And I'm like, oh, how are you guys pissed? Yeah, seriously. So we're going to go into the sentencing now. Uh, on September 9th, 2008, in Columbia County Circuit Court, Judge Allen White sentenced Felicia May Garland, daughter of the murder victim and sibling to the living survivor, and was tried as an adult. However, due to outside pressure from concerns that Felicia was under duress and was participating in these horrible crimes against her family only out of fear that if she didn't, she would also become a victim. Um, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, me too. Because she could have just told anybody outside the home and ended it. Right. Um, So I believe she knew who she was dealing with. She could have called the authorities once a group was torturing her brother Um, But she never picked up the phone, she never tried to stop them, and she certainly did not refrain from being an abuser herself. Yeah. There's no excuse. No. I don't care. Me either. Um, The court then transferred her to the juvenile detention center since she was 15, and her records unfortunately remain sealed since she is a minor. She she was never prosecuted. Wow. Wow. On February 29, 2009, Michaela Clerk pleaded no contest to the charges of mayhem, physical abuse of a child, causing mental harm to a child, false imprisonment. Um, she was not charged for the murder, the murder of Tammy Garland. Um, laughably, Michaela's attorney, Mark Frank, requested three to five years for all of this. However, she faced a maximum of 45 years and up to 28 years on extended supervision. Attorney Mark Frank tried to argue in court that Michaela was also a victim of child abuse and abandonment herself, and she caused, which caused her to form this type of romantic and sexual relationship with an older woman. There's always an excuse, right? Being abused does not make you an abuser. Right. It doesn't just automatically give you a free pass to become an abuser. Yeah. Um, You would think it would push you the other way. Right. To be a good person. Yeah. To want to live a beautiful life after living a terrible life. Right. Um, So, yes, their relationship was fucked up and not legal. That was definitely pedophile-ness. Yeah. Um. It was not okay. Like I said, that doesn't lead for you to be, to torture somebody. Yeah, because that's a whole other level, too. Right. It's not like she was abused and then she had a kid and she was, like, physically abusive with her kid because that's all she knew. Right. She's torturing yeah. someone. Exactly. Repeatedly. Yes. For months. For months, Yeah. 
Um, the DA, Jane, I'm totally going to butcher this last name, uh, Calurary, and ADA Troy Cross came back with that, even if she endured childhood trauma and maybe she wasn't the main abuser to the 11-year-old boy, she still had the option to take part in the abuse of the little boy, which she did. Um, the judge sentenced Michaela to the maximum sentence on the mayhem charge, 25 years of initial confinement in prison and 15 years of extended supervision, uh, plus an additional seven years of initial confinement in prison. Prison? I, I actually put prison. <laughs> <laughs> um, and five additional years of extended supervision for the child abuse charges. But wait, there's more. Um, another five years was added for both initial confinement and extended supervision for the charge of causing mental harm to a child to be served consecutively to the mayhem sentence. Um, so it totaled 37 years. And to those who do not know what consecutively serving conse consecutively means, uh, it means that the defendant has to finish serving the one sentence before serving the next. Yeah. Which is a long time. It is a long time. Uh, Candace Clerk, the alleged ringleader of all this chaos, was sentenced to second-degree reckless homicide with a no-contest plea. Um, she was also charged with mayhem, child enticement, and I'm assuming that's because they brought Felicia along, who yeah. was a child. Yeah. Um, physical abuse of a child, mental harm to a child false imprisonment, and causing delinquency, totaling 55 years for her prison sentence. I'm glad she just pled no contest and took her charges. Oh, you're going to get pissed off in a second. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Candace and her attorney appealed to her sentence, uh, which was rejected by the Fourth District Courts of Appeals. Uh, she tried to argue that she should be allowed to withdraw her no contest plea because the judge didn't fully describe her options. A detective threatened her during an interview, and her sentence was too harsh. You do not get to appeal because you don't like the outcome. And I don't, I'm sorry, but it's the judge's job to tell you, like, every single thing. Well, there's a, there's like a plea colloquy uh. <laughs> that you have to read to defendants in court, and you have to tell them, like, all of the rights that they have before they enter into a plea. Okay. But when did you say this was? 2009 they were getting sentenced? Uh, hold on. Because I think by then they had the form and the judges just read it off. And there's a plea questionnaire form that you have to read and sign, acknowledging that you are aware of your rights and what your rights are before you're allowed to enter a plea. So this is total bullshit. Yeah, so... 2007, by the way. 2007. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they were using the form already by then. So you get it from the judge. You get it from your lawyer. Your lawyer has to verify that they gave you the information. And you have to sign a form saying you got the information. Wow. Okay. So, like, none of that is valid whatsoever. No, but it's really common when I was doing public defender cases. Mm -hmm. People just appeal just to appeal oh. because if you're a public defender... It's not costing you any money mm -hmm. to appeal, so you might as well. And they want you to say the stupidest things, and they get really mad when you tell them no. And how is your punishment too harsh for torturing and aiding a murder? You know, torturing a little yeah. boy, and then being a part of a murder. 
and that's too harsh. Like, she didn't get to life. Well, in life is generally, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I think they probably didn't expect the judge to do consecutive sentencing like he did, which props to him because they deserve it. Yeah. I I don't think the judge was, like, fucking around on this. No. And I wouldn't either. I'd be mad. Yeah. Uh, So during an interview in prison with Candace, uh, she had the nerve to say she isn't a bad person and, quote, everybody's making him out to be perfect. He's not. That's what she said. She's talking about the child? Yes. Wow. Um, she definitely deserved the whole 55 years. I, right. Yeah. Like, she's a goblin, and that's that. Yeah. So, Michael Sisk, the boyfriend, was sentenced to second-degree reckless homicide for, and then additionally, hiding a corpse, false imprisonment, aggra- aggravated battery, mayhem, child enticement, intentionally causing great harm, causing mental harm to a child, intentionally contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and obstructing an officer, totaling a whopping 58 years to his prison sentence. Um, I'm going to go into the the sunshine part of my case. Okay, good. So I like to hear the sunshine part. <laughs> Um, everybody that stuck around for this, thank you. Um, this is going to make it all worth it. Uh, so this is the Garland boy. During the trial, the court made the decision, which I wholeheartedly agree with, and I, it's illegal, I believe, to not, or to show a minor or, like, to name him or her. Is that correct? Yeah, in Wisconsin, the names and images of juveniles are not released. So I'm so happy about that because that should not be a thing. Juveniles can be questioned, but it'll happen outside of the courtroom. It's not going to be public. If they have to be in the courtroom for some reason, like if people have a fit and they want them to be questioned in the courtroom, it'll be a closed courtroom. So there'll be no public, no media because you don't want, like, a 10-year-old, no. 11-year-old's picture all over no. the newspaper. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the court did not allow photos of the boy to be taken or his name to be leaked and to never state his date of birth in court records or to the public. Um, after many years, the Daily Register requested an interview with the young Garland boy, formerly known as Andrew Garland. Um, he agreed to an in-person interview at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. Um, he was adopted by a family of three, uh, so obviously two adults, and then he had a brother, um, and learned how to live on an 80 cow farm, which that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he, that's so Wisconsin too. Yeah, so Wisconsin. (laughs) He wrestled and played football in high school. He rides his bike through winding rural. Rural. I have such a hard time. With I know that. that's a hard word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, roads and is an overall happy, full of energy, all-American young man now. Even though he went through surgeries for his head, amputations for his fingers and toes, uh, physical therapy to help him regain muscle and reteach him how to walk, he is a true fighter. Uh, he fought to stay alive, he fought to continue living, and ended up becoming a young man full of life and love that nobody today 
would ever even guess he endured all the atrocities that he undeniably went through. He also wrote a book called My Life that is only for him and it's only for therapeutic release. I was going to say, I'm going to post that, but then (laughs) he later on said, it's just for me. I'm like, good for you. (laughs) I like that. That's a good way to get all your thoughts out. And I like that even though he went through all that, like he lost fingers and stuff, Mm -hmm. he still went on to play sports and everything. I know. Like nothing stopped this beautiful human and I'm so happy for him. Yeah, and that just shows, like, the other people tried to use being abused as an excuse. And he was tortured, and he went on to be a good person. You know, that is the most valid point, and I hope that everybody can take away that this is the prime example of coming out from a really shitty situation on top. Yeah. Um, Andrew also shared that even he even talks to his sister... Uh, Felicia and her two sons, which I don't know how he does that. He is such a good person. Yeah. So I don't know either. I hope she got some help because did she even do like juvenile detention time? I think they held her and then they released her. So she didn't really serve any time and she like, you know, grew up and got married, had two kids obviously, and is living a totally normal life now. So at least there's that. At least she grew up to not be a terrible person, I hope. But yeah, I don't know. I would never talk to her, in my opinion, like if that happened to me. But No, I wouldn't be able to either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to end this with a direct quote from Andrew Garland, as I feel it is important advice to children who have also been abused. So he states, don't let the past pull you down or drive you to drugs or suicide. Concentrate instead on your future, about what you want to do in life. You just got to live life like it is. You can't be drawing back to the past. You've just got to keep moving forward. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put all of my sources in the show notes. Um, A lot of them are online articles. And I also read this in the book. Got Murder, The Shocking Story of Wisconsin Notorious Killers by Martin Hintz, which is a really good read. It's one awesome. of my favorite books. Yeah, we'll leave that in the show notes. And if you guys don't know what the show notes are... Oh, yeah. This is a good segue. <laughs> they are in... It's just the podcast description. Like, when you go on your podcast player, the description, that is the show notes. Mm-hmm. So, that's where we put the little things that are going on. We put our... Uh, sources Mm -hmm. and if we tell you times or something we'll put it in there yeah yeah so that's my story you did a fantastic job with a hard story yeah i when i read it it was like a mini piece in the book and i'm like oh this is crazy and i've never heard of i haven't heard of it and i mean that wasn't that long ago when you started, I thought it was a long time ago, but no. I mean, they were just got sentenced in 2007. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. And I don't remember hearing about it on the news or Never. anything. No. And that's the weirdest thing about doing these stories in Wisconsin is we haven't heard of them and we live in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating, but this is why we're here. <laughs> yeah. We're here to tell you about all the things you don't know. <laughs> I'm doing the murder of Tracy Hammerberg today. 
And I got my information from the wiki page, of course. <laughs> wiki page. I love wiki. <laughs> yes, so much. And from an episode of Bloodline Detectives. Okay. And when I was first looking into this case a while ago, it was unsolved. Oh. When it started. Okay. When it started. When it okay. started, it was unsolved. So this is an old one, though. Okay. So Tracy Hammerberg was born on March 7th, 1966 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then in 1976, her family relocated to Sockville and she went on to attend Port Washington High School. And it sounds like she was a pretty normal high school kid. She had a babysitting job and stuff. So on the evening of December 15th, 1984, Tracy was babysitting at a home in Sockville. And then when she got done babysitting, she left and she walked to a grocery store to meet up with her friends. You gotta remember, no cell phones back then. So oh, you just yeah. had... It was like that when I was a teenager, too. Mm -hmm. Some of us had cell phones. Some of us didn't. So you had, like, pre-planned meeting spots. Did you ever <laughs> uh, have, like, that Firefly phone? Maybe I, it came out when I was younger. But that was my first phone. So it only had my mom's phone number, and then that's it. I didn't, but I I like those phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my nephew has a phone like that. He can just call his parents. You just push a button. You don't have to dial the numbers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In case, like, you're... Because they're little and you're at sports or something and you want your mom, you can just oh, press the button. that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely necessary. Yeah. we. I don't think I had a phone until I graduated. And then I worked for a cell phone place and I got a phone. Like high school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty I'm cool, old. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I think about how I was always on my phone and everybody before me, they're like, well, that's not a thing. And I'm like, oh. yeah. So this is what we had to do. We just would be like, okay, so we're going to meet in this parking lot <laughs> at this time. But I love that because you have to commit. You do. You have to get out of the sweats. Yep. You know, get in the car. That's mm -hmm. a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And if you don't show up, then your friends are all mad because right. they're waiting for you. Exactly. Because you can't call them and tell them you're not coming. <laughs> yeah, so it's like mandatory at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what she was doing. She walked to the grocery store, met up with her friends, and then the group went as as a group. They drove to Quaid's Tavern in Port Washington. Since this was 1984, I think the drinking age was still 18. And I'm sure it was pretty lax as well. Right. Because she was 17 at this point in time. Okay. If my math is right. <laughs> <laughs> and while there, they were just playing games, hanging out. And she reportedly told the bartender she was going to be leaving the bar to go to a party in Grafton. So everybody left and went to this party together where they were playing drinking games like quarters, allegedly smoking marijuana. Mm -hmm. And then at around 2.30, Tracy had decided she was done with the party and she was going to walk home. Oh. Because apparently walking home is appropriate in the middle of the night. Oh, I would disagree. Yeah, I highly disagree. <laughs> Do not walk home alone in the Never. middle of the That's night. That's another tip. Life rule. <laughs> Do not walk home alone in the dark 
Don't do it. No, do not do it. And this walk would have been about 3.7 miles down Wisconsin Highway 33. And I'm pretty sure that's pretty rural, too. It's just... In my mind. I even walk my dogs at night with my husband. And we live in the city of Menasha. So there's lights everywhere. And I'm still, like, looking over my shoulder and, like alert at all times so yeah me too i'm I'm alert when i walk during the day (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah i would i don't know if i would walk 3.7 miles down a highway even during the day drunk and high and yeah especially not drunk at night no way no so apparently she should have taken her advice too (laughs) so on the morning of december 16th dan I'll probably get his last name wrong, too. Sarecki was walking down his driveway to get his newspaper, and then he discovered Tracy's partially clothed body lying in the snow at the end of his driveway. Oh, oh. So Dan panics, runs back in the house, and calls the police and rescue because he thinks she might still be alive. Wow. So he ran back outside to wait with her. Oh, my God. While he waited for the police and the rescue people to get there. Which, when they arrived, they discovered she was not alive. But it was kind of him to try. Well, that was really sweet. Like, yeah, this is a very traumatizing situation to be in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would react the way that he did. I'd be like, oh my god, what am I doing? You know, just super flustered. And he, I feel like he did everything right. Yeah, and it sounded like maybe she had been to his house before. Oh, okay. So he might have recognized her. I didn't really understand that part of the story that well, but it sounds like he might have even recognized her, which I think would make it even more traumatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then the police arrived, and they discovered tire tracks in the snow because it had snowed overnight. Like mm-hmm. Just that night it snowed. So, and they found a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, blood spatter in the driveway, and in the nearby trees, but no murder weapon was found. The authorities quickly bagged the little bit of evidence they could find, like, they put the paper bags on her hands and everything. Yes. So they did a good job for being 1984. Right. And then they immediately moved her to a facility to have an autopsy conducted, and they did it that night, right away. Like, oh, okay. that same That's day fair. they got it done, which is pretty shocking for Wisconsin, Wisconsin crime yeah. labs. <laughs> We're usually so far behind. Yeah. And the autopsy indicated that she had died from blunt force trauma to her head. She had suffered numerous skull fractures caused by some type of metal cylindrical object. And bruising on her chest near her collarbone and petechia from strangulation. And the police didn't want to release what type of weapon they thought it was. They just said metal and cylindrical. So then they let people just run with whatever their ideas were. I go to, what is that, crowbar? Yeah, tire iron. Yeah. That was that was the common speculation yeah. that it was a tire iron. But it sounded like... And this is going to be another, like, triggering thing. He was standing on her. That's why she had the bruising on her chest near her collarbone. It sounds like he was standing on her and tried to strangle her. But the ultimate cause of death was from whatever she got hit with. 
And the police couldn't determine initially whether she got killed or at the scene or if she had been moved. But with blood spatter in the trees, sounded to me like it was probably right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but the thing was that neighbors in the area didn't report or hearing or seeing anything going on out of the ordinary. But then again, it's 1230 in the morning. Yeah, I'm dead asleep. Yeah, for sure. And two separate hunters did report seeing a car speeding away from the area with its headlights off. Oh, no. Yeah. And this part of the story kind of made me mad. I don't like to judge people too much, but Tracy's family was unaware that she was missing. Well, okay. Was she just gone for the night? Because... Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they found out about it on the news. When the news reported that an unidentified body had been found, they found out. Okay. And then the description was released on the news as well. And Tracy's mom said she knew it was her and she contacted authorities. But this is why it made me mad. Apparently, Tracy had been having problems with her stepfather making unwanted advances. No. And because of this, she had been regularly running away from home. Oh. So they didn't miss her because it was commonplace for her just to be like, fuck this, I'm not coming back. And sleeping on friends' couches or wherever she at the back at the babysitters, the people she was babysitting for knew she was missing before her family did because oh. they expected her back at 7 a.m. So that irritated me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, let's side with your kids. Let's do that. Yeah, always. Always side with your kids because yes. our people come and go, you know? Like, you can't, yeah. kids don't come and go. They're always, they're for life, okay? Yeah. Yeah, your kids are for life. Mm-hmm. Take home before your boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Which or a girlfriend. Or we always friends like or we oftentimes see that where like the mom or the dad picks the girlfriend or fiance or yeah. the wife or whatever it is over the kids all the time. Yeah. All the time. Don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then according to the authorities, her lifestyle was high risk. Because of the people she chose to associate with. Like, she hung out with people that like to drink and smoke weed, it sounds okay, like. whatever. That's like Which, she's a 17-year-old. Teenager in Wisconsin. Okay, we're in Wisconsin. Right. And she was consistently running away from home and possibly got around by hitchhiking. Oh. Don't do that either. Oh. I don't know if people still do that. Sometimes I, I hear that and I'm like, really? Oh. You can call an Uber. Yes, Uber. <laughs> Not back then, but now. Right. And then Tracy didn't have, like, a solid friend group. She floated in between groups. So she had, yeah, she had so many friends, Mm -hmm. but they were all in different groups and no close friends. Mm -hmm. Because I'm guessing if you don't have the greatest home life, and I'm not saying her home life was terrible because I don't have any reports of that. But how are you going to trust, like, other people, you know? Yeah. So... The thing was, this led to a very large group of suspects because nobody, I mean, she knew everybody. Right. She was super social. She knew everyone. Yeah. And over the years, police would hear that she'd been hanging out with or associated with all different kinds of people. And then they would have to investigate the new people and attempt to get DNA from all of the new people each time. And in 1984, they didn't have the DNA type testing we have now. Right. They had blood type testing. 
but apparently the sample that they had was more rare because they were able to eliminate eliminate mm-hmm. 90%, 98% of suspects using that method. Okay. Yeah. So over the years, hundreds of witnesses were interviewed and over 400 men were eliminated as suspects using blood typing and DNA. So these detectives, I know so often we hear like the detectives kind of drop the ball. They didn't really care. These mm-hmm. detectives were relentless oh, in this I'm case. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. It's, it's a nice refreshing change. Yeah. I was like, I like them. Yeah. And the police had reported to the public that they had DNA from semen. So, and for me, I was like, okay, so how do they know that was from the killer and not from a consensual partner? Mm-hmm. But eventually they released information that they had kept secret, that there is also DNA evidence found underneath Tracy's fingernails, and that matched the DNA from the semen. So she had fought whoever attacked her. Oh, God. And then in 2018, the Golden State Killer was caught using a relatively new method of DNA investigation. So the detectives contacted the FBI to try to learn how they could do this, too. Like, we want to do this genealogical comparison. Like, teach us your ways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what they didn't know prior to contacting the FBI, that the DNA profile used in CODIS, which is, like, the normal police system that we use. Yeah. It's not the same as the ones that you use in open source DNA software. They never told me the name of the software they're using, but I think it's like GEDmatch. Are you familiar with that? Mm-mm, not at all. Okay, so GEDmatch is an open source thing. If you have done Ancestry DNA or something, you can take your DNA mm-hmm. and you can submit it to GEDmatch. And okay. then that gives police permission to use your DNA. Like, people always think they're, like, going on Ancestry DNA and stealing your DNA. They're not. You have to... I am one of those people. I am a little scared to do that (laughs) because I am very paranoid. And we have talked about this since day one. I don't want people just having my saliva or, like, blood or whatever it is. But now I feel a little bit better. Yeah, so you have to actually... I did this. So... okay. You... They do your use your saliva. It's kind of gross. You have yeah. to spit in this. You, like, you have to spit, spit in this out? tube. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and I really hate that. Can you imagine having that job? Just like just another day. So, oh yeah, just testing saliva. So gross. <laughs> but then what they do is you normal people just get their <laughs> ancestry DNA and they find their ancestors. Yeah, but c- crime people. Yeah, you can take your DNA profile and you can download it t- mm-hmm. to your computer. Mm-hmm. And then you can upload it to Judmatch so you can help the police solve crimes. I mean, it's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's all kinds of privacy concerns. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this case, they didn't say if that's the one that they used, but that's the one I'm most familiar with. So I'm guessing that's what they used. Yeah. And then, so now the detectives had the job of finding a sample that could be sent out to be used to create the new profile because they had been doing all this DNA testing and they didn't know if they had enough DNA left. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay. Because they didn't know, like, they had the sample in CODIS. They thought they were good. They Uh didn't realize they were going to have to create a whole new one. 
Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So they had to like dig through their fridges and whatever that they do. Oh. <laughs> I just imagine like a room full of fridges with just like blood an entire in it. fridge in the basement, just like yeah, full of semen. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but fortunately, they did find enough to get the sample. Okay. Good. And so this sample was sent to a company called Gene by Gene Limited in Texas. And these geneticists were able to create the necessary profile, which was then uploaded to a genealogy database. Again, it's some kind of top secret information for some reason. Right. (laughs) Oh, and the funniest part about the Bloodlines detectives is that the narrator is Nancy Grace. And she's so crazy. But this is actually a good show. Okay. Despite her. She's got even, like, crazy eyes. Yeah. But we're not going to get into her, because that, that's a whole can of worms for me. Oh, yeah. We would have to do, like, a whole series. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new podcast. <laughs> so, they sent it to them, they created the profile, and then soon the detectives had thousands of relatives of their killer, because that's what happens on Ancestry DNA or whatever. Once you submit your DNA, they give you, like, I think I had, like, 4,000 matches the first day. But these are not close relatives. Oh, okay. These are, like, fourth cousins that you've never freaking heard of and don't care about. And then, like, three people you like. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it's weird. Yeah. And that's what they had here. Mostly second to fourth cousins that... I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know, like, the second cousins or the removed cousins. Like, I don't know how that works. It's something with grandparents and then, like, their brothers and sisters. Okay. So, like, your great aunts have kids. Something. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know either. I have to look at my tree. And Nobody that, knows, really. <laughs> my family tree tells me. <laughs> and then, so, once you have this initial information, you have to start to build the tree. So you do that yourself? Kind of. It, like, fills in some stuff for you, but then some stuff you have to be like, oh, well, I do know that person, and I know that they came from my dad's side or my mom's side or whatever. I think it's getting better and better, like, that it figures it out by itself. But back in the day, you had to do it all manually. I don't know how people did that. I was going to say, that's crazy. It is. So they have to try to figure out, like, okay, I have all these cousins. How are they all related? Mm. And then where does the potential killer fit in? Okay. And then at one point, they hit a dead end. They're like, I think that we've done everything we could do. I don't understand. We didn't find a killer. They're mad. They got to call their friends at the FBI again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bring them up. Yeah. And apparently the FBI's got, like, the DNA expert. They're like, okay, you just got to do this and this. And then they discovered some that they had missed some, like a relative somewhere can throw off your whole thing. So oh. they had missed somebody. Okay. And the person at the FBI was able to help them. And then they were able to finish the family tree. And this process was going on from March 2019 through September of 2019. So for six months, mm-hmm. they were building trees. <laughs> They were just building these detectives who, and I mean, at this point, they're a lot older. Oh, I'm sure they're not like that. Kind of warms my heart a little bit. Just picturing them, like, yeah, in a in an office, just building this tree. Yeah, for six months, like every day, you just come to the office and build this tree over and over and over again. (laughs) 
once they got the tree done, then the next step is to go through and evaluate the tree and see who would have been like in the appropriate age group in 1984 and who had ties to the community. Because you're going to find people from all over the country and maybe other countries, depending on your nationality. Right. So they have to find people like who was in like the Grafton, Port Washington area in 1984 and would have been like, I don't know how they knew that the killer was in a similar age group to her, but that was always their assumption. Oh. Yeah, I don't know how you can assume that. Yeah, I don't know who first decided that, but that they ran with it. But they have like some weird an awesome way to like narrow people down and i really want to learn the science of that because like that's almost like a superpower i feel like it is just are like he's white and 40 and has a mustache and i'm like how yeah it's that profiling is crazy Mm -hmm. yeah jim clemente he's a profiler Mm -hmm. and i listened to him it's it's very interesting that's an interesting person he is yeah (laughs) He is very interesting. And then they eventually got it narrowed down to these two cross brothers. So now they know that it's one of these two people they're guessing. So they discovered that one of the brothers, Philip Cross, had died of an overdose at a motel in Milwaukee in 2012. And due to the nature of his death, they had conducted an autopsy. And when they do that, a DNA sample is taken. And they were able to obtain this sample, and his DNA was confirmed to be a match to the killer of Tracy Hammerberg. Oh, God. Yeah. So, uh, then it gets crazier. Oh, God. So, following this revelation, like, even though they know he's the killer, they still look into his background. Okay. And they did... They did learn that he did have connection to Tracy as he was the same age as her brother. They went to the same schools he rode the bus with her to middle school like he definitely would have been a familiar face to her like if she was walking in the middle of the night and she saw him she went to ran from him she would have recognized him and they also learned that he had had numerous run-ins with the law including a stint in prison prior to her death but that was just for fraud like it wasn't anything violent at that point okay But the most haunting part was a tale from a woman who reported that she had been in the car with Cross when he made sexual advances towards her. She shunned his advances, and he became very angry and attempted to strangle her with a belt. No. Yeah. You can't go around strangling people because they're not interested with you. Right. Seriously. When are you guys going to get that through? Yes. Like, take It's probably all women listening to us. Right. (laughs) But, like, we know what you're talking about. (laughs) And so this woman was able to, like, fight him off and escape. Bad bitch. Yes. And she reported him to the authorities. Yes. And now these authorities suck. Oh, no. You were bringing me up. And now I'm being brought back. (laughs) Twists and turns. (laughs) And I think this was Sheboygan where this happened. Okay. Not 100%. So after the authorities questioned Cross... They never made an arrest because his story was different than hers. Oh. So, like, so he, like his said, story is more valid than hers. That's what yeah. it's coming down to. Yeah. I wrote, this is the most annoying thing that law enforcement does, and you need to listen to the women. Yeah. Just listen. Just listen. 
Yeah. Like, get a cup of coffee, just listen, take some notes, maybe. Yeah, and like... Do your job. Yeah, do your job that we are paying you for. Yeah. So, they sucked, but the police in Tracy's case were relentless in the pursuit of justice for Tracy. And I really wish it was always like that. It was so refreshing to see them like i just want to see justice for her and i'm really glad her killer was identified but i know it's bittersweet for everyone involved because no one can ever see him tried for her death like they're glad that he's gone of course and he's not hurting anyone else but then it's also like his family who is innocent in the situation too he's already gone they mourned him and then they find out he was a murderer I really want to know, like, what caused all this. Do you think it was because she turned him down and then this he just snapped? That's a theory yeah. that we'll never know because they're both gone. Right, right. I feel like, don't you think these people always tell somebody, though? Right, yeah. Especially if you're, like, doing drugs. And he over- yeah, I mean, he could have overdosed by accident, but what if it was, like, on purpose for this reason? Yeah. What if she wasn't the only one? Yeah. That's a good point. Because how do you escalate from one day you're strangling somebody and then the next you're like killing somebody and then you just stop? Well, and the strangling one happened after Tracy was dead. Oh. That one happened just a few years before he died. Oh, okay. So he didn't stop. Like, he mm-hmm. killed Tracy and then he was still assaulting. He at least assaulted one woman that. I know of. There's got to be more people that he assaulted, too, because you don't just turn that off. Yeah, turn it off and turn it on, turn it off and turn it on. Yeah, I don't think so either. So that's my conclusion. Wow, you did a really good job. I feel like I've been up, I've been down, (laughs) I've been sideways, There's lots of twists and turns. And like I said, when I first started looking at this case, it was unsolved. So like in my notes, it was an unsolved murder. And Uh then I was like, okay, I'm going to look into this one. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, it's been solved. Like, yay. Yeah, best news. Yes. I like to see them solved. And DNA is doing crazy, crazy things to solve these crimes. Yeah. Right talk to my husband about this kind of stuff and he's like i don't really want to know about the unsolved ones i'm like but they're still so important i know you don't have that gratification of like yes they are apprehended they're getting their justice but they're still so important to know about Mm -hmm. and then the more we talk about them the more the word gets out and then maybe one day it's going to happen. Yeah, because sometimes people get so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you're talking about it and they'll be like, oh, did you hear, I heard on this podcast about this murder that happened in our hometown. Yeah. Can you believe it? And they're like, in their mind, like, well, yeah, I did it. And then they start acting all crazy. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then they get caught because that's how that one, um, have you listened to Up and Vanished? Like, Up and Vanished, their first season, mm-hmm. they were talking about an unsolved murder. And eventually, like, people involved in the case started talking. And the people are on trial now. Be- wow. And it was just, he didn't solve the case, but the pressure from yeah. everybody in the community talking about it all the time and knowing, like, these people are here investigating just got to be too much. So, 
sometimes just just the awareness can bring secrets to light. Ooh, that's a really good, that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have fun. Yeah. Um, Those good stories. And we said we were going to do bi-weekly last week, but we're going to do weekly. Yeah. Because I'm having a lot of fun. Me too. We love it. We love you guys for listening. Thank you, Wisconsinites and friends. Yeah. And if you guys like our podcast, share. Share on your stories. Share on your social media. Subscribe. Yes. Subscribe. Like. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Depending on where you're listening to. And then, um, I believe, can you rate us too? You can rate us on Apple. We're not approved yet because we're new, but it mm. should be within the next few days. And then people can um, give us a five star review. Okay. Say a few words because the more people that review us, the faster we will grow. We will love your words. Yes. Um, as long as you like us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, then take them elsewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can listen to us on, I believe, Spotify, um, yep. Stitcher. Yep. Um, what's the other ones? Google Podcasts, Breaker. I don't know. I think that's... That's it right now. Yeah, I think that's it right now. And we, we should be on Apple by the end of the week. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So, and then we also have an Instagram and Facebook um all the sins of wisconsin and then i believe it's just wi for wisconsin yep um if you want to email us at all the sins of wisconsin uh for anything interesting we're all ears and eyes so Mm -hmm. definitely do that yeah if you have stories you want us to cover or something weird happens to you like some guy is driving next to you with a pug wearing a sombrero i want to hear about that Yes, tell us all the crazy things, because <laughs> eventually we would like to do mini-sodes. Yeah, I would love to do a mini-sode, because yeah. I just want to read your shit. Yeah. So you can email us at all the sins of Wisconsin at W-I. Gmail. Yeah. I'll put all that in the show notes, too. Okay. Yeah. Which, again, is the description, right. <laughs> in case you weren't listening before. Okay. Well, I feel good about this. Yeah, me too. Everybody have a great week. Bye. Bye.
All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love love you. you.